Welcome into the Invest Well Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall, joined today by Mr. Randy Cook. And we are talking about over diversification. Mm. What does that mean? That's a lot of words there. That's, that's a big one. That's a lot of that's a lot of words. It's <laughs> a lot of words. You know, you've heard a lot of, over the years. You gotta diversify, diversify, diversify. Mm. And um, I think it's important that we understand what it means to say, okay, well, maybe we're going to diversify, but are we over diversified? And, you know, Randy, I think this is something that isn't often talked about, but it's something that's really, really important. And that's why I wanted to share this for you as you're listening to this out there, because, you know, you go about your day and you're investing, maybe you're investing your own monies. Maybe you have an advisor, maybe you have a firm, maybe you have a team, whatever. And a lot of times you might look at your portfolio as an example. Let's say you have a stock portfolio and you might have, you know, a hundred or 20 or 50 or 300 or 80 or whatever the number is stocks, right? Or maybe you have, maybe you have 30 stocks and then maybe you have an additional 10 or 15 mutual funds and ETFs and things like that. And each one of those mutual funds or ETFs owns multiple mm -hmm. stocks, right? I mean, it could be just a few to lots, right? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you're in a place where I kind of liken it this way and the technical definition I'll give you in a minute here, but over-diversification occurs when the number of investments in a portfolio exceeds the point where the marginal loss of expected return is greater than the marginal benefit of reduced risk. When adding individual investments to a portfolio, each additional investment lowers risk, but also lowers the expected return. Now you might say, what the heck does that mean? Well, think of it like this. This is, I think, the best way, Randy, to... Uh, help explain this visually so someone can kind of get a mental picture of what this looks like. Think about there's a, I don't know, a, a weight. Let's say there's a 500 pound weight that is representative of your portfolio, your investments, right? And that weight, we're going to go out to the farm for a minute and you're out in the farmer field and that weight is sitting there on the ground. And what you have on the weight is you have five different horses standing around the weight, if you can imagine, and each horse is tied to the weight. Now the weight in relation to the horses as uh, the backside of the horses. So the horse is facing out mm -hmm. like, you know, if the weight's in the middle, the horse is going to be going out to pull that weight. And so they're all attached and you say, okay, I want to move this weight across the field as fast as we can. So that way we can get it prepared for, you know, whatever we need to use it for next. So you say, okay, horses go at the same time. You whip all the horses, they all start going. And unfortunately all of them are pulling, 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 pulling all five of them, but the weight doesn't move. They're all going in different directions. They're all going in different directions. So even though you might have a different horse that's designed to go, you know, different places, the weight doesn't really move. Now, that might sound a little bit corny, but I think it's a great way to think about, you know, what happens with our investments and with our portfolio. You know, there's been a lot of research around what is true diversification and what do you really need? And even Warren Buffett said several years ago, the fact that really anywhere between eight to 10 to 12 solid positions is plenty to be a, a diversified portfolio. And so when you think about this in relation to your investments, why that's important is because a lot of times you might say, geez, the market was up, you know, X percent and I was up X percent, or maybe I didn't quite make as much as the market, or maybe I made less. A lot of financial folks out there, a lot of managers out there that are helping families with wealth, they might be hiring money managers. They might be hiring, you know, or they might be utilizing ETFs or institutional funds and things like that, which is fine. But because they're not really watching it on a regular basis, maybe they're not trading on a, on a regular basis to maximize profits and losses with positions, they're in a situation they said, okay, we're just going to diversify and we're going to add a lot of things into the mix, diversify, diversify, diversify. Hey, Mr. Jones, you're well diversified. 
And Mr. Jones is saying, well, why is my portfolio not really going anywhere? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it before, Randy, where there's been back-tested models and things like that from companies that they've said, hey, you know, in the market system, and it wasn't real return. It was just hypothetical back-tested, and the returns look phenomenal. But then when they actually use the actual, here's what our returns actually were, our real returns, they didn't even line up to what happened. The reason is, is it's over-diversification. That's not the only reason, but it's a lot of times the case. When I think about, you know, reading a financial magazine every now and then, they'll have a portfolio review. Somebody will send in everything that they have, and they'll give their opinion on it. And you look at everything they have, and you'll see 17 different mutual funds. Yeah. Well, every one of those mutual funds has some kind of a director, an advisor, a person who's picking what they're doing. They all want to do well, so what are they going to pick? They're going to pick Microsoft. They're going to pick Google. They're going to pick Apple. Every one of them has the same thing essentially in it, so you've got the same things, and like you say, they're all pulling different directions. Yeah, well, I mean, that really in a lot of ways would be more along the lines of over-concentration. Overlapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over-concentration in the portfolio, and that we see a lot, right? But also, it's the idea of, we're going to invest in, you know, the brick countries, right? We're going to invest in, you know, domestic. We're going to invest here. We're going to invest there. We're going to do all of these things. We're investing here to offset that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're investing in A to offset B and investing in C to offset D. So that way we can maintain not too much of an ebb and flow. And again, the challenge is, is you might make some money over time. You're going to do that. It's going to happen because a rising tide will lift all boats. But if you really want to be in a situation where you are focused, think about it this way. Let's say you had a child that was really athletic. I mean, really athletic. I think of some of the folks like in my years growing up, like a Bo Jackson that played, you know, mm-hmm. Bo knows, you know, yeah, he played, yeah. played two sports, baseball, football. We think about some other folks like that. Well, think about how successful, I'll just pick on Bo as an example, great guy, but think about how successful Bo was in both of those sports. Well, he was successful, but wasn't as successful as, let's say, a Tom Brady, right? where all Tom does every day, all day, is focuses on throwing the football, Mm -hmm. period. And if you think about your child, let's say you have a child and that child loves this sport, they love basketball, they love hockey, they love soccer, they love, you know, whatever. And they have all of this practice and you're doing all of these things and they're expending all of their energy in three or four different sports. It's virtually impossible for them to really excel to the same level as someone that has chosen to say, I'm just going to play soccer. Mm Mm-hmm. It's virtually impossible because they are so spread out, they're tired, they don't have the horsepower, so to speak, to do what they need to do to excel. And that's what happens a lot of times in the portfolio. Now, the challenge is, is if you don't over-diversify, if you're not diversifying enough, you can take on unnecessary risk, right? Directional risk, and there's different types of risk you can take on. So you want to make sure that you are diversified, but you're not over-diversified. What I'm not saying here is, okay, hey, go sell everything and take all of your money and put it into Apple stock. That's not what I'm saying. It'd be like somebody coming in and, you know, sitting down and they work for a company and they have worked, I have had some families as an example that have retired from FP&L, you know, pretty large uh, Florida Power and Light, right? Big company. Nextera Energy is the mother company. And we have clients that live in different parts of the country, including Florida, that, that have come and retired from FPL as an example. Well, what happens is those employees a lot of times will have a lot of next era energy stock. And that stock has done quite honestly very well over the years, right? Or we have some folks that have come to us and they've retired as executives from like Lockheed Martin, things like that. They got a lot of stock in that company, right? So they own this stock, they believe in the company, they've worked for the company, they have all this stock over the years. 
that is over concentration, mm-hmm. right? So we, I'm not suggesting that we just take 60% of our portfolio and put it into one specific investment. So that way, if the stock goes up 40% for the year, we participate in 40%. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we want to make sure that we are diversified so that way, God forbid, we do have a major market meltdown. Right now, we're talking about the fact that the market's maybe in a melt-up position, right? But we do have a market meltdown. We're in a place where we're not, you know, we're off market, we're on market. We have different types of investment structures, but we're not so diversified that we're over-diversified. And when the markets are strong or there are opportunities, we miss out. So let me ask a question then. The idea of a mutual fund is supposed to spread out risk yeah. over a lot of different stocks. To have too many mutual funds may do exactly what you're talking about there. Does that then lend you to say, let's buy the individual stock winners and not concentrate ourselves in that diversified area of the mutual fund and go more toward an individual stock? That's a great question, Randy. I think my answer to that would be, I'm not saying that the mutual fund is bad. Now, obviously, not every mutual fund that exists out there is good, right? You want to make sure that you understand the expense ratio, you understand the cost, et cetera. And what it's actually investing in. I think the answer there for clarity would be, okay, if you have 10 mutual funds in your portfolio or 10 ETFs, exchange traded funds in your portfolio, you're in a place where you're understanding what the investments, what the equities are, the stocks that are inside of each one of those funds. That's a big job. That's a big job, but that can be done through the technology that exists today and and analysis of what's actually there, okay? All you got to do is, if you get with a good advisor, they can plug that into the system and, you know, there's going to be, it's going to bring up exactly what the equities are inside of those funds. But making sure there's not too much over-concentration, right? That doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It just means that you say, okay, maybe we should buy equity, individual equities, or maybe we should buy mutual funds, but not have 10 that have all the same kind of equities in them. Gotcha. Right. And so that's what we want to look at. But again, we also want to make sure that we're not so over-diversified that we miss out on opportunity. Very, very important. And again, that comes down to the advisor. That comes down to the firm. Are they paying attention? Our process, as an example, Randy, is what we're doing is we typically have anywhere between eight to 15 positions at any given time inside the portfolio. We've allowed, so any market-driven investments that we have, we're looking at saying, okay, we're going to have about 10 to 15%. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody has $5 million, mm-hmm. just to pick a number. Okay, could be more, could be less, but let's just say it's $5 million. And let's say we're in a situation that $5 million, we're in a place where out of the $5 million, they decide that they want $2 million invested in market, stock market type investments. You know, the other $3 million might be in direct real estate. It might be in off-market structures and Stearns-based structures, whatever it may be. Let's say $2 million is in, in the market, right? Now, out of that $2 million, we're going to be in a place where we're going to say with our philosophy, we're going to buy anywhere between 8 to 15 positions. Out of that 8 to 15 positions, we're going to allow ourselves 15% of the total portfolio. So in that example, $2 million is in the market, right? 15% of the $2 million, which would be $300,000 in that scenario, is available for, we'll call it home run opportunities. That's where we're taking advantage of stocks that maybe have had knee-jerk reactions where we buy in. And maybe we're not there long-term, but you know we're there for short-term. We're trying to pick up another couple percent here and there, or maybe another opportunity. But we don't want it to be one stock equaling all 15%. It's just a percentage of. Does that make sense? Yep. And then we take the other 85% of the portfolio, we might diversify that between you know, five to six to seven or eight quality ETFs or institutional funds that are diversified, but not over diversified. And then on a monthly basis, 
We're literally engineering and, and re-engineering the portfolio, so that way we're trading, we're selling those things that are not performing the way that we want, and we're adding in the things that are performing the way that we want, so we can have the right kind of directional trading with diversification. Got it. That takes work. Yeah. That takes paying attention to what's going on. That takes our team paying attention to what's happening. Dalton's done a good job of really surveying and, and doing that, and then he brings me the information, and we make the decision of what that looks like. It doesn't take a long time. It's like if you've... You know, think about how long it took you the very first time you tied your shoes. Took a while to figure it out. <laughs> yep. Took a long time. You I had like to have Vel- some help. Velcro was a good thing those days. Yeah, little kangaroos, <laughs> get your get your little money pocket on the side. But once you learned how to tie your shoes, yeah. it's like it's you don't even think about it, right? And so you just do it. It's no big deal. Well, it's similar with what we're doing is we've been doing this long enough. I mean, as you know, I commentated for media for six years, CNBC, Fox, Bloomberg, whatever. So being in that lane is something we've been in a long time. And we want to have a strategic plan and philosophy wrapped around how we invest. So that's very important. Well, hey, listen, if you got some questions about what we talked about, are you over-diversified? You know, maybe you don't know. You're like, geez, I don't know if I'm over-diversified. My goodness. You've talked before about the fact that the market was up really strong and 2019. And, you know, I I didn't make near what the market made that year or whatever it may be. That's a good indicator that you may not be directionally diversified, but you're actually over diversified. It's a big, big thing. And you're leaving money on the table. So my suggestion there is if you have questions about that, reach out to our team, leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com. You can learn more about who we are, wall private wealth, U.S. private wealth, helping families really protect, grow, reduce taxes on their wealth. If you have a question about your situation or just want a second opinion or just want to get some additional information, reach out to us there, leanonthewall.com. As always, my desire, my goal is to share thought and insight to help you really be passionate about living on purpose so you can live with purpose. Hope you have a great one. Talk to you next show. Any client experiences discussed during this show are unique to that client. They are not meant to imply or suggest you will experience the same results. By contacting us, we'll review aspects for your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of U.S. Private Wealth, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Wall is licensed in your state, please contact his office. Wall Private Wealth Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael Wall, NPN license number 733 0010.